Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy We've got uh, Cullen Brugman, Managing Director of Dashboard Magic, in the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Kathy. Lovely to be here. Indeed, indeed. And you've come uh, in a couple of times to speak with some of our boardroom members, but today we're kind of opening it out to uh, the broader listening allied health business community. So thank you. Thank you. That's right. No worries. Let's do it. Let's do it. Tell us about um, Dashboard Magic, like now what you do. What, yes. what, is, this, uh, what is this mystery? Yes. So in terms of Dashboard Magic, um, basically in any business, a lot of growth, a lot of new um, opportunity you're taking on, more team, more systems. Uh, and I think you kind of get to that point where there's a lot of spinning plates um, and getting that visibility or the spotlight on those key areas, both in terms of mitigating risk and reducing kind of uh, those plates hitting the floor, uh, but also then spotting opportunity as well, mm. um, being on the forefront around that. And I think it's not just the conversations, but it's the structure that supports you to have those conversations, but also then get the team more involved as well. And so if we can, um, from a visibility perspective, if businesses can have that, visibility and that structure that supports those better quality conversations, the data-driven decision-making, that's kind of where that all ties back into. So, you guys build dashboards so that business owners can see how well their business is performing? Yes. (laughs) Very well said. (laughs) That's okay. Head of marketing. Um, (laughs) But that, I could only say that because you started to explain the process that as businesses grow, there's more and more data all over the place. Correct. And it can be really hard to figure out what to look at and then what to do with what you look at. And then goodness knows, you know, what actions you you take from, um, from there. How did you, how did you get into this sport? Um, so I started back, uh, if I go way back, I did a Bachelor of Science in Physiology at Melbourne Uni, uh, worked out that I didn't want to get into that field in terms of being a physio personally, and I, I kind of got a bit of a taste for business halfway through the degree, and I thought, hmm, this is interesting, I, uh, I'll kind of continue that pathway, and I worked at NAB for a number of years, um, worked in a sales team, managed a sales team, worked on a whole lot of business improvement projects. And one particular story I'll, I'll mention was I, I kind of went into that sales team and everyone had all these uh, all different pricing and product information um, saved in different email templates that the manager would send out <laughs> when there was a pricing update or a product change or a product new product. Oh, my gosh. And everyone had a folder in their Outlook and they saved that, that pricing and that information that they would then send to prospects, customers um, off the back of a call with them or a conversation. And I sort of thought, okay, well, Everyone's sending out these these emails and there was a couple of people that had some information saved in some spreadsheets. And I thought, well, what about if we just had this central resource, this really simple, easy way for people to refer to and use internally that's 
consistent because everyone's using the same resource, that's simple, i.e. exactly in the form we need it, and contains all the information that people need. Um, and so it's I so built that. so obvious when you say that. It's <laughs> just I, like I took crazy the, obvious. Correct. And I took the spreadsheet from the person that had a couple of tabs and I added a few more tabs in and that was literally the resource that then everyone used every single day, every single conversation moving forward. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah. So just, um, I always, uh, whenever I think of you, Colin, I always think about um, this concept that you make numbers meaningful and simple. Yes. Or simpler. Yes. Simpler. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yet to meet an allied health business owner who doesn't want to, A, understand their numbers better and B, have them in one place and know how, yes. to, how to use them. And yes. what you said earlier about those spinning plates, I guess, got me thinking visualizing just all of those business numbers um and i'm sure you get asked this all the time i'm pretty sure i've asked you this is what are the numbers that i should have yeah so i think the starting point there's a couple of angles or a couple of ways to look at this um one of the things that most people have some sort of reporting over at the moment is around financial uh, metrics so things like revenue things like cross profit things like operating expenses net profit some of those are, are fairly pivotal. Um, and typically, a business would have that often in zero, for example, is a really common financial tool. Um, so, that's that's kind of a good starting point often because it's kind of A, financial numbers are super important, especially cash flow is probably another one too. But B, you've probably got some sort of reporting or some level of kind of tracking in, in zero or another tool already anyway. It exists so, somewhere. Correct. Exactly. And so, even just something as simple as being able to visualize a profit loss report on how that's tracking over time or compared to your target sounds really simple, but most people are looking at spreadsheets or they're looking at raw data and then they're kind of um, uh, in terms of being able to bridge the gap to meaning in terms of decision making in terms of what that means for their business um, that's often something that therefore you can't get necessarily out of those sorts of systems so so what Cullen did for those listening which would be everyone was he was waving his hands up and down as if to <laughs> illustrate a graph and so imagine if you could get those zero numbers visualized correct yes because then exactly. you can see it. You don't have to do the gymnastics in, in your head as much. Yes. What are some of the other critical yes. numbers that business owners, you know, yes. should have a bit of a handle on? Perfect. So um, the financial stuff's more of a lag measure or lag measures. Yeah. They're more outcome. So you can't directly influence them. You can't, um, I don't know, you, how much profit you make, how much revenue. It's kind of like you can reduce expenses. You can generate more sales or, or more revenue being generated in terms of sessions or consults or whatever it is. Um, but ultimately, that's a result of what you're doing. It's a result of the input, the activity. So if we kind of go over to the, the lead measure, the input, the activity measure side, um, that more relates... Drivers. Critical drivers, correct. Yeah. Um, more relates to workflow, more relates to what you can influence. So, for example, um, a classic tool um, is Clinico that a lot of people use. Um, and it, it's where you house all the appointment data or the contact customer, um, patient data, and a whole range of other data as well. And so, um, in terms of common numbers or, or metrics, critical drivers are important there. It's things like opportunity on the front end, maybe inquiries, for example, mm-hmm. right at the very start on a marketing kind of sales level through to then what are your bookings or you, use your conversion through to that kind of initial consult or initial session, whatever that is, depending on your model, um, right through to then on the back end from an operational perspective, it's looking at utilization. So um, billable hours, non-billable hours, for example. So if you've got X number of hours across X number of therapists or consultants or team members, um, what does that look like in terms of utilization? And, and they're not necessarily going to be at 100% utilization, but maybe 80% for targets, accounting for admin, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And so what we're talking about is pulling out that data from the likes of Clinico and making it visual and meaningful yes. and 
um, I guess, usable, that you can sort of see yes. the, the highs and the lows and start to identify with the, the behaviours that the humans are doing to get those numbers that you want. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the key things, right, where people often um, at the moment, they're kind of in one of two categories typically. There's the flying blind, i.e. you've got a level of reporting within um, your workflow system, within your finances system, within other systems as well. And you can use that reporting, but sometimes that reporting doesn't quite bridge the gap in terms of getting the meaning you're after from that. And there's certain rules you need to apply. For example, if you've got I don't know, um, from a group sessions perspective, you've got six people attend. That's not, if it's an hour session, it's not six hours, it's one hour, right? Or oh, maybe you've got 55 minutes. Hitting to the sessions. heart, hitting to the heart. I know, so frustrating this stuff. Maybe, the, yeah, maybe there's like 55 minute sessions, but we want to actually yeah. count that as a 55 minutes or an hour or whatever that is. There's this kind of like five to 10% level of manipulation. So if you don't do that manipulation, um, then it's kind of less meaningful. Then you get this uh, misalignment with getting the value from and that, that insight being true to what you're after. And so then people typically, if they're in the other scenario, then they're exporting out into Excel, into spreadsheets, into Google Sheets. Um, and then that's when you get stuck in that really heavy, dry, down the rabbit hole process of manipulating manually data, having to kind of update, copy paste, rely on human um, human input and or there's um, the potential for human error as well. And it just becomes a really heavy process. And so you kind of got both ends of the spectrum, flying blind and not really having the insight you need or that really heavy, cumbersome, time-consuming process that is quite tedious to be able to get the, the outcome, the insights you're after. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get onto some of the challenges literally in 30 seconds, but I think there's other data that allied health business owners don't always think applies to them, and some of that sits in marketing. And while so many allied health business owners have wait lists, I think managing your wait lists and some metrics around your wait list is super, super important because that is essentially your future six months of clients. Yes. But there's also marketing out through social channels, yes. um, human channels, all sorts of things. And I think they um, that that gets a little bit of second cousin treatment. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm sure you've sort of seen that in some of the work you've, you've done as yeah. well. Waitlists and, and inquiries, like they're two common areas that I think are definitely massive opportunities. Um, like just on the waitlist point, like um, I've seen different uh, businesses that are running with spreadsheets with waitlists and different tabs, et cetera. And it relies on someone, A, remembering to move someone from one step in the waitlist to the next based mm-hmm. on kind of whatever service or or whatever situation it is in terms of that waitlist process. But also like people can sit there for longer and there's no kind of prompt or spotlight that says, hey, this person's been sitting there for too long or this person's been missed, for example. So there's kind of not that catch-all from a structure perspective. And then on the inquiry side, I think people, to your point, um, like don't always necessarily capture or track that information. So if someone calls up on the phone, but then they're just um, having a like just an initial inquiry, but then they don't book in. Like, do we capture that? Because A, we should, because how do we know how many people are actually inquiring or how many people are walking in and, and capturing that as much as possible? Because then otherwise we don't know what our conversion rate is. We don't know who we're yeah. converting and who we're not. And so that's a, a classic example where I've seen businesses that capture none of that inquiry data, that marketing kind of related data. Um, uh, contact kind of information or early source, on where they exactly. heard from us. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Right through to businesses that are running pretty hardcore processes with um, different t- uh, administrative reception team members, and they've got spreadsheets and they've got lots of things happening. But the question, I suppose, is: Are you doing that? Are you doing it in a way that's simple and easy for you to capture that information without another cumbersome process on top? Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, given that numbers aren't always always the strong suit for allied health uh, business owners, yep. there's some really typical challenges that I know we've talked about as well. And one is exactly what you were saying about that waitlist piece. And that's just manual data entry and collection. Like humans yes. are pretty cool machines. However, yes. they yes. stuff it up from time to time and they Correct. miss things. So yes. um, the other thing is about inconsistent data tracking uh, yes. as well. So what have yes. your observations been about the manual data manipulation? I think um, like what's really interesting is people often use spreadsheets for a few purposes. Uh, often like within certain systems, maybe you can't capture or track yeah. or, or there's no functionality for certain things like wait lists commonly. Um, or and there's heaps of other things as well that you might be anyone might be using that isn't possible in that particular workflow system or another system you've got. So you resort to spreadsheets. When it comes to spreadsheets, people are then trying to typically use spreadsheets for two purposes. One is tracking data, tracking information, tracking details. And the other is then having some level of kind of visibility or process flow around how that data sits. And so we see all kinds of different um, spreadsheets that are kind of um, trying to solve for both things where visually they're kind of a bit easier to see, but then from a tracking input perspective, it just becomes quite chaotic. And so in terms of using that data or analyzing that data, it's just kind of a bit disjointed. So um, you kind of get stuck in that double bind of trying to, I don't know, solve two purposes and only kind of half getting to, to either of them and just as a kind of a bit of a band-aid just to keep that together, essentially. Yeah. And there's also additional risk that the human who does... Yes, the waitlist spreadsheet is the only human on the planet who actually knows how Correct. it works. Yes. And they may not have had time to document all of the intricacies of the um, procedures around it. And exactly. so they leave or have a month off and yes. out the door goes your IP and exactly. your systems as well. And I think the other thing that we often see is um, in a spreadsheet, like you might be, for example, exporting out like your billable hours across um, your team and looking at that in terms of target or, or utilization. Um, but the challenge that we often see is that that kind of, is kind of a one-time static process. So you might do that every week or every month or whatever that, that rhythm is for you. Um, but you kind of then having to go through the same process of thinking, oh, how, what did I do there? Or what was the formula there? Or how did I manipulate it there? And, and kind of getting through that. And we often see owners, um, directors of a company, they're the ones kind of doing that because they're not 100% clear on the process or the, the manipulation or the, the formulas, et cetera, until they go through it. But then they find themselves in that loop of like having to constantly do it because they haven't been able to or haven't had the time to document Unpack. what that looks like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Another challenge that happens is getting the right numbers to look at, whether there's too many or too few or yes. they're just not even relevant. Yes. What are your yes. thoughts? Um, I think like we've we've um, sat on both sides in terms of like we've <laughs> had um, businesses, we've, we've had, um, we've visualised data and metrics, critical drivers, KPIs for five to 10 things. And I think that's probably a really good number across a business versus like we've had businesses that um, 20 or 30 things, right? And you've what we've kind of learned over time is that it's, it's not about another tool. It's not about visualizing the information. It's really about, okay, if we visualize something for the business, you get a level of clarity or understanding mm -hmm. of what that means. And you can have a better quality conversation internally with your team, especially on a management level. And you can work out what's important. How are you measuring success? You can go a layer deeper. And so that facilitation of that conversation is where the value comes from, not from the actually visualizing the information, because that allows you to get clearer and more 
um, efficient, more um, uh, from a decision-making perspective just to move faster and be more informed. Um, and I think ultimately it's that layering process or that iterative process that's most valuable as opposed to having 20 things that theoretically sounds good. But then when you get it into practice, it becomes a bit too complicated and a bit too overwhelming. So I think yeah. it's as simple as possible and then building from there. Yeah. And that gets um, gets us thinking about the data and where the data is and what it looks like and how clean, current, yes. and centralised your data is. And yes. so many businesses have data all over the place. Yes. But yes. until you get that stuff right, the beautiful dashboard at the end is going to be yes. significant if you're yeah. not looking data that's fresh and correct. 100%. I think it's a, it's a really fine line, right? Like you don't want to rush the process. Um, but at the same time, like there's plenty of, I spoke with someone the other day who I'd spoken to two years ago and they said, oh, we really needed two years ago, but then um, didn't. And then they just kind of kept doing what they were doing in spreadsheets. And then they came back and chatted with us. And it's like, oh, um, they were kind of in the same situation. They hadn't really got it sorted. They weren't really clear. They were spending all this money on marketing and advertising as well as then growing the team, et cetera. They weren't really sure of the conversion rates, et cetera, as part of that process. And so um, I think it's it's that really fine line of like, are you in a position where you need to go through and get clear on the input and maybe the input of data um, isn't, isn't where it needs to be and maybe that's step one? Or maybe you also don't want to go too far the other way and sometimes people get stuck in that, again, like that other business process where they're trying to perfect the data. But if we can shine a spotlight on it where and show some of those areas or those gaps or, or, or things that are missing in terms of the input and the consistency around that, maybe it's one particular team member that just needs extra training and support to be able to input that correctly because they're not clear on the process and they need that help. And maybe that's what's letting it down. So there's kind of a pro and con to both, but Obviously, as you said, Kathy, you don't want to jump the gun. You want to make sure that you've got um, a level of consistency around the systems being used and the data being input. Yeah, but by getting started in conversation with um, you or someone in your team, you you start to understand where your data set may be at, yes. whether or not it's ready to True. work with you guys to kind of um, you know spin it out into a into an end game dashboard. So yes. Um, yes. sometimes you don't know. Uh, you know, when you're working on things and you just got habits and it's just your normal and yes. you're the only one that does that and that and that because the rest yes. of it's too hard to unpack. Yes. It's not until you get into conversation and you get that spotlight shone on it that you Correct. realize where you're up to or how ingrained your habits are and that yes. there is potentially a next phase that you can work towards that starts yes. to ease it all up and gets ready yes, to work 100%. with people like you. Yeah. And I think it like it's no different to the that workshop in conversation internally of like getting clear as you go. It's it's, it's again same similar sort of thing on the front end in that kind of initial preparation where I think that um, being able to have those conversations and that facilitation in a really structured, specific way of like, okay, cool. Well, you want to see revenue. So what? What does that mean? Like, are we tracking revenue on a month-to-month basis? We're we looking at it on a week-to-week basis. Are we comparing it to a target? What is that target? Are we comparing it to the, is it seasonal? And you have a level of seasonality in the business and we need to ca- compare it also for a context to what we were January last year versus January this mm. year, for example. But even one layer deeper, and this is the sorts of things that people haven't necessarily dived into. Um, one layer deeper from that is, okay, revenue might be great, but then have you got like 
three or four different services or, or products within the business. And maybe you've got one or two that are propping up the rest and we need to know that. Or maybe you've got one or two that are propping up the rest revenue-wise, but you're not quite sure on the profitability of each service and you're just kind of running really fast and the team's pumping out the work, but you're not quite clear and maybe the margins are getting crunched a little bit. You just don't have that awareness or that instant peace of mind or snapshot to know where it's sitting to be able to make the decision. Do we pull back on one service or do we need to rethink that completely? And then you kind of just end up falling forward, which again, happens to a degree in business anyway, but the structure and visibility around that, the better mm. clarity is becomes really powerful. Yeah. As I was listening to you say that, I heard the words good enough in my head. And as business owners, um, I know I've got scar tissue on this. It's good enough for now. It's good enough. It works. It's good enough. But I guess the question from my brain as an allied health business coach is, but at what cost? (laughs) True. Yes. And you just don't know what you don't know. And um, until you get into conversation with a coach or someone like you, you just don't realize how much easier or different or even more significant and valuable um, changing some of this stuff up could be. And I think as a business owner, right, like um, letting go is is challenging because you want to make sure that things are done in the way they need to be done. And there's that whole kind of growth, personal growth process that we all go through as part of the the journey with different team and, and, and leveling up in different ways. Um, and I think it's like the more there's structure around that to support that um, mm. reliability or consistency of those things being achieved in a way that isn't just relying on another person remembering or their own expertise or their own IP or their own capacity or capability of doing that. Um, it just becomes a little bit more reassuring. And I think that yeah. that yep. good enough piece, often we don't let go because we feel like the likelihood of that succeeding maybe not isn't as high yep. as what it could be or should be. So, so we'll just keep doing it. Yeah. It doesn't take long. <laughs> Opportunity cost, I suppose, is everywhere, right? It's just what do you prioritize? What do you do first? Yeah. yeah. In the allied health business world, it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients. If you struggle with this, you're not alone. Pretty much everybody feels this way. Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own, and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills, and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. So we've sort of talked a bit about um, the dashboard and some of those cri- those critical numbers. Um, yes. We tapped on a few. There's obviously a few more. We've yes. talked about the data wherever it is being, you know, in pretty good in pretty good shape. I guess. I guess where it could be good to go next is how the data and um, we spoke about critical drivers and I think we need to talk about what they are, how you use the data and the critical drivers, the things the human do, the humans do Mm. to kind of kick those goals and get the business results that you want. So you want to talk us through how 
having and using data gets you the business results you want? Yes. I'll just um, sit back and put the kettle on. Right. I'll pop back <laughs> in 20 minutes. It's a big question. <laughs> Um, I think like at a starting point, um, everyone is at a point in their business where they've got some sort of goals or things they want to achieve. And if you took it over, say, a 12-month time frame and you want to achieve a certain, um, maybe you've got two certain goals in place. Maybe one is, um, I don't know, better utilization in terms of um, getting the team to kind of um, be able to take on more work and or be more effective in their work versus maybe revenue is the other one. And let's just say they're hypothetically the two goals that you want to achieve and you want to go from, I don't know, 2 million to 5 million or 5 million to 7 million or whatever that is in terms of um, for you. Um, If we can start there on a goals level and say, okay, cool. Off the back of that, what does success look like? Like how are we going to achieve that? What are the critical drivers to be able to do that and come up with maybe two or three? So for example, for revenue, maybe one of the specific things is getting a certain product or service from X to Y in terms of revenue. If that's maybe a smaller portion of the revenue, but you see a lot of opportunity, or maybe it's a bigger portion, but you know it can go further, for example, as part of that. Um, And so maybe that's one component. Maybe another component is I don't know, your conversion of leads or your, your how much you booked out, yeah. for example, in terms of um, utilizing um, capacity, maybe your capacity, maybe you're, you're only in or utilization, maybe you're only at, I don't know, 50%. You want to push it up to 70% because you know if you do extra appointments or sessions or whatever it is, consults, that there's obvious revenue off the back of there or, or rebooking people in, for example, or whatever that is. Um, and same thing applies on, on, on the second um, goal in terms of measurability. And so I think in terms of back to your question, if you've got that incremental understanding over time in a really objective, measurable way to know whether you're on track or you're off track, to know whether you need to maybe change tact and or um, pivot slightly or readjust what you're doing, being able to have that and see that progress over time becomes really powerful because then you're not thinking, all right, well, where are we actually up to? Are we on track? Because there's a fork in the road there. Like if you're on track, what you need to do and what you, the actions you need to take might be very different <laughs> yeah. than if you're off track. Therefore, that again, very different actions. And I feel like we often get caught where we're kind of clinging to both paths and trying to walk down the middle. Um, or thinking that the things we did to get on track, we just keep doing them. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's actually yes. different when you're, when you're on the track. Yes. That sustainability, those tactics are really different. Yeah. And you might focus, I don't know, maybe the big focus on sales and marketing Mm. um, and you have visibility and a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of mental energy into that space as as a leader in the business. Um, And then maybe that gets to a good point and then you're focusing more on the delivery side, the operational side, but then you're kind of taking your own personal focus off the sales and marketing and and maybe sometimes that can drift or that can slow down without you realizing because you don't have the structure or the visibility there to show that preemptively so that that doesn't then fall over, that doesn't become a risk. Yeah, and you'll probably feel that drift in your gut first and then yes. you'll put off looking at the numbers and you'll look at the numbers and then yes. you just says, told you. Yes, correct. They they sit together. That's another conversation yes. we should have though, Colin. Yes. Um, that sense that you have when things are, are drifting. So back yes. to these critical drivers, what are they? Yes. Let's maybe kind of come up with a few examples of some. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we touched on a few before, like you've got things like inquiry, number of inquiries yeah. is, is a good driver in terms of um, leads, opportunities, people coming in on the on the on the front end. Yep. Um people might be like you might be running ads, for example, and 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 there might be a certain level of um, ad spend and and being able to look at that in terms of like your cost of acquisition for a booking, for mm. example. How much does it actually cost you to get someone in if you're spending X thousands of dollars a month on advertising 
Um, what does it actually cost you to have someone in the seat? And is that profitable? Like if you've, your margins- or sustainable. Yeah, yeah, correct. Exactly. Yeah. So that's on the front end, very front end, um, right through to then your conversion rate of inquiries through to bookings, for example. Another thing, um, another thing you can influence then is what's your um, retention rate? So for example, rebooking. I know lots of people have different programs or packages and things that kind of um, by default have that built in, but sometimes people don't. There might be an initial consult, initial session. Um, and then what does that look like in terms of conversion and how from a, um, an input, how can you influence that in terms of rebooking? And if that's not where it needs to be, then what structure, what um, framework, what, what training, what actions, yeah, correct, what, what are needs the to happen? The team has to do. Exactly. So, you know, kind of knowing where to focus becomes important off the back of some of these critical drivers on the front end. Is there any other ones from your side, Kathy, that you see that I haven't Uh, touched on? I think think there's uh, things along phoning referrers, dropping in, sending thank you cards. You know, some of that is the human behaviours, they're human tactics that, um, you know, consolidate partnerships and relationships. Um, Yeah, I think room utilisation is one that gets, I'll get to that in holidays, Uh, you know, uh, that one as well. Um, I think also there's critical drivers around um, business owners themselves in terms of some of their personal health KPIs. Um, Mm. We're certainly doing a lot of conversation on that at the moment as we're heading into what's probably going to be an Arctic winter based on yes. where I am today. <laughs> so I've heard. So there's, um, you know, there's measures sitting in all of these places. Yes. They don't have to be super, super complicated. No. Uh, what you measure over a certain amount of time probably yes. gets managed and changed. It's like I'll give you a classic example on a personal level. Like I, um, I don't know if you've heard of an aura ring. You can't. Oh, really I noticed it. that just before um, on your. It, yeah, it's just something again for anyone who hasn't heard of it. It's basically like a ring that that just measures your um, heart rate and measures your like you get a sleep score and a readiness score and and off the back of exercising and or how long you sleep mm-hmm. for your sleep efficiency, how long it takes you to fall asleep, all these kind of things, and then during are the day you, as are well. You gamifying it? Rest. Yeah. Well, it, to me, I find it amazing, right? Because it's yeah. and I think like to bring it back to the essence of this conversation. It's like, I can wake up in the morning and I have a subjective level of understanding around how I feel, around how energized I am, how good my sleep mm. was. Now, how much of that is my own kind of internal narrative or internal dialogue or maybe some other stuff subconsciously I've got going on based on what's on for the day or whatever it is versus mm-hmm. the objective truth of what the numbers tell me and what the heart rate was during sleeping and, and, and that sleep score, for example. And so being able to have that reference point in the morning and see what those numbers were um, just gives me that level of, like, okay, I was actually thinking on the wrong direction. Then I actually had a brilliant sleep. Um, I just kind of got caught in my head around. Yeah, yeah. The narrative started. <laughs> correct. Versus maybe I had a terrible sleep and I actually felt all right. But it's kind of like it's that pulse check. It's that reference point. Yeah. And I think yeah. on a personal level, like you're talking about, like that's just for me a really simple way to gauge that and to yep. see that and to check in and have that conversation. Yep. Yep. So health KPIs, oh, we could have a good conversation on that as well. You've either meditated this morning or you haven't. Like, <laughs> yes, but, and I, I'm, black and yeah, white. I'm, yeah, I'm running a, um, I'm running a, I'm running data at the moment, and you know, it's a tick or a cross, you know. Yes. Yes. So all of that sort of stuff. So yes. yeah, the critical drivers are more behavioural. Yes. Uh, they're associated with the goals that you want to achieve and the yes. ultimate strategic kind of um, outputs as well. And I, um, you know, we talk a lot with our members around projects and projects that they're going to complete or at least start and um, have momentum on them complete in a quarter and how to make them measurable and how to make 
them finishable and so that you know what success and finish looks like on that as well. Um, yes. Otherwise, you know, projects are a little tricky in businesses. They can just go on and on and on and Correct. just stay open loops for for way too um, for yes. way too long. Yes, I think yeah. um, just a couple of quick points. I know um, just quickly on the lead sources one, like that's a perfect example. Um, I just wanted to cover off that. So maybe it's like, for example, number of phone calls that are being made out to existing yep, partners exactly or existing right. referrers, like you touched yep. on before. Um, because that might be a critical driver for more inquiry, more opportunity, more bookings coming thing. And I think coming in, and I think that's that's vital, right? You you spoke to it perfectly in that sense. It's like that's the behavior, that's the activity mm-hmm. that can be tackled. Um, and I think in terms of projects, it's an interesting one because internal projects is less um, like obviously if you've got bookings, for example, or inquiries, or you've got um, uh, revenue, like they're all kind of more black and white, whereas projects can kind of sometimes be a little bit subjective in terms of, all right, you've got X project, but then what are the components of that? When do they need to be due to buy? That can slide sometimes in terms of timeline or the clarity around what you need to do, et cetera. And so I think even if you're going to do that and, and use like, for example, we use Asana internally. Um, I know you guys use Asana as well, Kathy. Yeah. There's Trello, there's um, ClickUp, there's a gazillion kind of tools like that out there. Even if you can break it down and then have an understanding, okay, this project, what does done look like? Like, how can we be objective and, and get clear on that? And then what are the maybe 10 components of that? Or maybe there's more, maybe there's less. So then you've got that measurable element of like, okay, well, step one's due in a week. Step two is due in three weeks. Step four, and you've got a date around it. There's an owner. For example, you've got that level of measurability or that structure. No different to visualizing on a dashboard. You want to ideally have a target or a deadline. You want to ideally have someone who owns yeah. a particular metric or KPI yeah. as well. So Yeah. So a project is usually only as good as the people who are delivering on the date. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, we've had conversation about um, how to pull data from Asana to yes. determine um, percentage of completion yes. of workflows or percentage of completion of projects. I don't think we're at the yes. bottom of it yet. I'm probably a little out of that conversation at the yes. moment. But, um, yeah, absolutely, to get a little bit of rigour around yes. um, around those project pieces as totally. well. Totally. Yeah. Uh, anything else we need to cover off in terms of data and getting that looking good? Um, I think we've covered off a lot, to be honest. Um, yeah, we have. I, I think it's at the end of the day, like it comes back to opportunity cost of time and opportunity mm-hmm. cost of mental space. And I think that if there's things on your plate at the moment that are more administrative or more operational, maybe key team members in those seats, it's like, how do we bring structure to that? How do we bring that sustainability to that? Um, like I think that is what it boils back to because at the end of the day, everyone wants as a, as a leader in a business wants peace of mind to know that the things that they're not focusing on in terms of their own personal energy and focus and time are actually ticking along and doing what they need to, be it with the team yep. and or otherwise, yep. so that they can just focus on the things that they want to do, be it in the business or outside of the business mm-hmm. without that voice in the back of their head that says, oh, where are we up to on this? Or what about this? Or where is this kind of falling Has over? Has someone done example? X? <laughs> Correct. Yes, exactly yep. right. Because that comes up in our team quite a bit. Yes. I think the other, all I would add to that is that the data provides you with the foundation and you've got to get that sorted first. The technology comes later. Yes. The technology makes it look pretty and adds functionality, but you've got to yes. get the data and the the, the actions to get the data first yes. and foremost. Yeah. I think like coupled with the data, it's just that clarity on a strategic level of what, how do you measure success? Like what is important to you in terms of critical drivers, KPIs, um, have that conversation internally. And if you can come at it, well, what a lot of people do is they'll come at it being like, all right, well, I want to measure this or see how we're going performing on this, but the system doesn't let me get that. Or 
um, how do I do that in a spreadsheet? And they're trying to tackle both a technology problem, a data problem, and a strategic problem at the same time. If you can start with, <laughs> let's make sure the input of data is consistent, oh, and let's so make true. sure that we're clear on the on the what the KPIs, yeah. the metrics, the critical drivers are. If you can start with there, then the technical technology piece is is not only far more straightforward when those things are rock solid mm-hmm. and really clear, but it's also that comes secondary. So we don't need to solve that yet. We just need to yep. step, start with yep. step one. But I think people go and look online at dashboards and they see <laughs> Clipfolio or whatever else and then yes, they just try Google and Data cram Studio, a square peg. Yeah. yeah, they try and cram a square peg into a round hole yes. and then yes. give up. Um, yes, it's not, yeah, the dashboard is the icing on the cake. It's the yeah. tool that facilitates that. It's not, um, there's other components as we've touched on. So tell us about the process of working with you and the and the dashboard build. Yes. Um, so there's essentially... Like initially, uh, we're kind of pretty quick to want to understand what the key measures are in the business um, and what the systems you're using, what the outcomes you want to achieve, um, where the data's at, kind of just to get a bit of a sense initially. Um, Then from there, there's kind of two core phases we go through. One is the preparation phase. And that's about saying, okay, cool. Well, how do we get really clear on on some of these critical drivers, KPIs, key measures um, and make them really specific? So again, that's something that you can certainly um, go through yourself. We've got a pretty solid process around getting that really defined just because we've had that conversation hundreds, thousands of times now. So that's where we want to get clear on that strategic level. The second thing is we want to then, with you, walk through your system um, or systems to say, okay, what's your workflow? What are the little nuances in the system that you use um, slightly differently? Or how does that kind of fit with what you're doing? Because then that gives us an understanding of, all right, we've got the outcome, strategic, what we need, KPIs, measures, et cetera, versus the data, the system we're getting that information from. Well, we need to make sure there's alignment there first. We need to make sure that we're tracking the things that we need to um, have the outcome for, the visualization of. And if we're not, that's an opportunity opportunity to improve that or to change that. For example, custom fields is a classic one in terms of or um, uh, additional values or additional custom fields to track additional information. Um, and so then off the back of that, then um, in that preparation phase as well, uh, once we're really clear on that, we want to then connect to the data and start to pull some of that raw data through just to get a sense of that as it's coming through. Off the back of that, then we go through what's known as our dashboard building and optimizing phase. And so that's about how do we have those regular conversations and workshopping in terms of, all right, well, this is the first thing we want to visualize. Um, Okay, we'll grab the data, we'll visualize, we'll review it together, understand what that looks like. You'll get a feel for it once you see it, what you want and what you don't want. We tweak it, we adjust it, then we work on the next thing and then we visualize that. And then that becomes that ongoing conversation around how do we continually bolt on pieces to build that IP, yep. that asset in the business. Yep. Yep. Uh, when you said the words pull data. Yes. And I happen to know what that means. And okay. you that's just language you use every day. But what we're talking about here is um, automagic, automagical data being pulled <laughs> from one source into yes. a dashboard. Yes. So the humans just have to sit back and just marvel at the process. Correct. For anyone who's um uh, been kind of uh, involved in this space or from a technical perspective, um, you've got things, and for anyone who doesn't, don't please don't get confused by this, but um, you've got things known as APIs, um, application programming interfaces. It's basically like a back-end connection from a yep. technical perspective to tap into the raw data within a system. Um, so that's one way. There's other ways to get data out of uh, different systems and it varies from system to system based on how that system is set up on the back end. Um, but that allows us to then pull the data through um, to then be able to visualize the raw data in a way that we're kind of yep. reconstructing that in a way that applies the filters, the formulas, the the um, 
the ways of visualizing that makes it super meaningful your business for your business as opposed to just kind of compromising with what a system might yeah. show you internally. So a dashboard that you might build with a allied health business owner. Yes. And I know what they look like and we're sure. both going to wave our hands around now. <laughs> it, it may have a financial page and that yes. data automatically is correct full zero. Yes. Um, you may have a marketing page and that Correct. data automatically pulls from Insta, yeah. Facebook, LinkedIn. Google Analytics, Google Google Ads. Analytics, yep, yeah. yep. And so Any then you may have a, I'm just making things up here, I'm not going to be too far off the mark. Sales or inquiry. Yeah, a yeah. team performance page yes, and that may pull from Clinico. Correct, 100%. All, all automatically. Yes, all in the one spot um, and all set up in a way that's most meaningful for your business because we've done that preparation up front. We've yep. understood what you need from an outcome perspective. Um, and yes, that data, everyone asks, um, like, is that once a week the data gets updated automatically? Is that once a day? Um, commonly, once a minute. Yeah. Commonly, like, um, it, it varies between once a minute to once an hour, once yeah. a day. It just depends on the data, how frequently you need it. Most people hear dashboards and, and live data and they're like, yep, I need it every minute. But when we kind of get into it, having it every You're hour or every day every minute? kind of blows someone's mind anyway <laughs> when, when they don't have yeah. any visibility. So it just depends technically on what makes sense. Yep. But Getting it close to live is um is huge, yep. right? Yeah. So you've mentioned Clinico. Well, we've mentioned Clinico a couple yes. of times. Yes. You've had a decent amount of experience working yes. with allied health business owners. Mm-hmm. So it's not yep. as though this dashboard, you know, is it's not a one size fits all. It's a bespoke no. build Correct. um every yes. single time. But you've yes. got. And you've worked with some of our clients. You've worked yes. with with us. So yes. that allied health business piece is just one of the industries that you serve. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I think um, uh, it's it's one of those things that there's all these little nuances, right? With any of these types of business, yeah. even within allied health, there's probably like again, correct me if I'm wrong. There's probably like ten to twenty different kind of sub niches or sub categories yeah, or easy. different types of business models within that. Um, and so I think it's in terms of um, being able to visualize, it's kind of you've got lots of tools out there you can plug and play. Like there's heaps of them that Kathy we've spoken about in the past, mm-hmm. and maybe that gives you what you need, or maybe it's um, it doesn't give you what you need, and you're looking to not only save time but leverage expertise, but also have that service component in terms of a surety to the outcome, not just trying to um, necessarily spend a bunch of time and maybe maybe not kind of um, get the outcome with a particular tool. So mm-hmm. it just depends on what you need at the end of the day, but that's kind of where we sit. Yeah, yeah. So let's see if we can paint a picture about what these dashboards look like. Okay. Like we're just going to have to, you know, tell a story and light up people's imagination. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go first and then yeah, um, for sure. I'll chip in. So a classic one is like uh, in terms of analogy, like in a car on a dashboard. So you've got your speedometer, right, showing how fast you're going. Um, yeah. Or you've got your fuel gauge in terms of how much fuel you've got in the tank and a fuel light. Um, or you, 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 like your revs per minute, for example, as well. Um, and that's a really common way of visualizing information because ultimately that shows us a few things. We, it shows us we can have like a target. It shows us how how where we're at compared to the target. And one of the common things we'll do with that is break that down into different colors, like your traffic lights. So you might have like above the target is green. Um, the target and below is and twenty percent below is is yellow or below that is is red, for example. So you can immediately know within a second on that speedometer um, or gauge exactly where you're sitting without having to analyze it, without having to think it through, for example. Another really common way that I personally love is, is graphs or charts because you can see quite a few things all in the one go. So you can see where you're at for that current month or current week 
You can see where you're at compared to a target. You can see where you're at on a trend line perspective because you might have a great month. But if that's down on last year, same month, and that's down on target and you're trending downwards, well, then, again, that, you need that context around it. So I find charts are really good mm. as well. Yep. Um, high charts. Add, high, yeah, charts. high charts is another one. Yep. <laughs> yep. Looking at a ratio or kind of breakdown across a pie, different slices. Um, another really common one is tables as well. A bit more data heavy. Um, certainly not as much as a spreadsheet by any means, but um, a table can sometimes be really good. For example, if you want to see, I don't know, a breakdown um, across your team in terms of utilization versus target um, or a few kind of things. And so you might have like a table with column A is um, available hours, column mm. B is um billable hours, column C is utilization, for example, just kind of have a little bit more detail that then supports the outcome, the insight you're trying to achieve, the behavior then for you drive off the yep. back of that um, without it being oversimplified in terms of a chart that necessarily maybe needs that different angle. Yeah, yeah. So it it just brings the data to life. It just brings yes. the good data that you've worked on in your data set. It just pulls yes. it into one place with perhaps yes. three or four pages yes. um, or sheets that you can look at and you yes. can just visually see. And this, what you said before about context is absolutely true that you're not just looking yes. at a day, a week, a month in isolation. You can Correct. have the whole uh, timepiece sitting there with it as well. Exactly. So, um, so true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess we've got a couple of, of minutes left. What sure. is there anything else we haven't spoken about, or anything else you'd want allied um, business owners to kind of yeah, think about the or take action? Other thing on? that came to mind is just on a forecasting level. Like I know, typically in terms of filling appointments, filling seats, filling um, capacity moving forward, like a really common one we see is is looking like maybe two to three, four weeks in advance, um, because ultimately, if you've got a gap coming up in one of the weeks for whatever yeah. reason, you need to be able to get onto that, call the wait list, call the um, people that uh, and or book people in as quickly as possible mm. and put an emphasis on that so you don't end up rolling around to that week and you're running way below utilization in terms of where you should be, for example, or capacity. Um, Great so example really of critical drivers. Yes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, week yes. week seven of term is yeah. only sitting at forty two percent. Yes, bookings. Yes, what are the humans going to do to get it to the sixty five that we need? Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Um, and also looking at like off the back of that, um, if you got to get from forty to seventy two percent or whatever the target is, okay, then how many people do we need to call? How many conversations do we need to have? How yep. many people yeah. do we need to book to fill that up? And so therefore, that kind of then drives on the front end that utilization increase from 40 to 72 or whatever the target is yep. on the back end. So yeah. Cool. Super important. Cool. So I'm thinking of people who are listening who just may feel that they're not ready yes. to work with you and your crew. What, yes. what would you like to say to them? I can say um, that Cullen isn't scary. <laughs> and his team's sometimes gorgeous. I talk too fast and people like well, probably think slow that. down. We know that. Um, for anyone who's in that. the wealth dynamics space, um uh, or understands Lord Cullen, I should have introduced yeah. you as. In, yeah, in the Lord profile, um, uh, the details come fast and thick, but I um, I do my best to kind of keep that <laughs> as simple as possible. Um, I think just in terms of starting, like we've got, I know um, we've got a tool we use, uh, like a framework called a metrics outline in a Google Sheet. Happy to send that through. Happy for you to distribute and use that with with anyone oh, who's listening if they want to reach out to you. The show notes. Yes, um, I can cool. send that. Just make a copy of it yourself if you use Google Sheets. If you use Excel, OneDrive, SharePoint, just download it as an Excel um, by clicking on File and then Download As. Um, 
go with that, right? Like the amount of times we might share that with someone, regardless of whether we have a chat off the back of that. And now it just allows an ability to kind of like have the structure and documenting and brainstorming that wish list of key metrics, critical drivers, and then the, the associated details, target, time frame, owner, purpose, where's the data coming from, formulas, filters, like it just helps to facilitate that. So I think that's a massive starting point for anyone. Yeah, that's um, cool. As opposed to just like you could jump on a whiteboard to have a great conversation, but without the structure, sometimes things can get lost or missed. Um, so I definitely start there. And then I think the other thing, um, as we talked about, just um, kind of doing that self-assessment of the systems you're using um, and the data quality within that. Like, what does that look like if you're just running manual reports at the moment or seeing, looking with those in those systems, or even you probably got that gut feel around, all right, we know we're kind of probably lagging or lacking a little bit in consistency of input mm. here. Um if you have that conversation and you do that kind of internal review yourselves, you'll get a sense for it. You'll be able to kind of scope it out a little bit more and that'll give you a bit more of a feeling around whether there's a fair bit of improvement to be made, a bit more kind of consistency from the team or whether you're actually pretty good and, um, yeah, from a data perspective. So those two things is definitely where I'd start. Yeah. And then we'll provide all the details if anyone, uh, for those that want to speak with you, there's yes. then a process of getting started with you guys and the build, you know, you're, you're very yes. clear with the onboarding process, yes. what's required and what's likely to happen over what timeframes. Exactly. Yeah. We've got a, um, there's a booking link. Um, we use a tool called Calendly, if you're familiar with that. Mm. So maybe, um, I don't know where that lands, Kathy, but I can um, provide that to you. And, and if someone wants to have yeah. an initial chat, um, complimentary conversation, even if you get clear, if nothing else, then um, that's totally cool. I'm All happy good. to do that. All good. All righty. Rockstar conversation. Thank you cool. so much, Cullen, for coming in. It's all right. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.